This is CX of M Radio, the voice of customer experience professionals. Welcome to another episode of the Tom and Bob Show, where each week we discuss best practices in the field of customer experience management. I'm Tom DeWitt, Director of CXM at MSU, and I'm joined by my co-host and partner in crime, Bob Keipel, Vice President of CX of M and retired global CX executive with General Motors. Without further ado, let's get this show on the road. Hi, and welcome to the Tom and Bob Show. I'm Tom DeWitt, and I'm joined by... Hi, I'm Bob Keipel. Um, today, we're really thrilled um, to talk to Darren Hood. Darren Hood is a senior user experience designer with United Wholesale Mortgage. Um, Darren holds an MS in user experience design from Kent State University, where he presently serves as an adjunct professor and has done so since 2015. Um, he holds has a really rich history and background in the area of user experience design, and he's agreed to uh, host a podcast on the CX of them radio network. And we're here today to talk to Darren a little bit about about his background and his views and what we can expect on on his show. Um, So first of all, Darren, can can you tell us a little bit about what user experience design means to you and why you chose to get in the field? Sure thing. Um, what I found uh, defining user experience, I know a lot of people struggle with it. Um, the user experience is basically and simply stated, it focuses on finding the sweet spot, making vis- uh, verbal reference to a Venn diagram, if you will. The sweet spot between user needs, business needs, and constraints whatever those constraints are, and, and really trying to make sure that you get wins for the user and wins for the business. That's basically what, what it's about in, in general. Some people would just sum it up even more succinctly than that and say that it's about just making things easy to use. When it comes to getting into the field, I, I'm what I refer to as a, a Gen 1 UXer, designed my first website in 1996, 95, 96, and was also already using what I come to find out was user experience principles in doing work on CDTs, web-based training, things of that nature. So, but the, the, the one thing I find that's funny about making the decision to get into user experience is that what I found with myself, as well as talking to other Gen 1 UXers, is that none of us decided to get to get into UX. It was it was something that we all happened into. That we, we saw a need, we started doing work, we realized, hey, what about the people that are going to be using this? <laughs> They're not going to understand these labels in the navigation. Hey, it could be easier to use than what we're coming up with. Hey, why don't we go and test this? to see how people are going to receive it. And, and so that's how things sort of start. And, and before you know it, it just keeps growing and growing and growing and you start approaching things in more of a systematic fashion. And then thing you know, a book comes out about information architecture, the polar book. And then the next thing you know, 
you see Alan Cooper's books about the inmates running the asylum. And then the next thing you know, Jesse James Garrett. So we, then we start getting some degree of formal education and trying to make decisions as to the best way to do different things. So there's the, the entry into the field back then, which was something that pretty much was all happenstance, which is much different than today. There's still some happenstance folks today. Uh, a lot of people can at least choose to go through some type of a formal learning structure. So they're able to, to sort of shorten their learning curve, if you will, more than we did back in the day. That's interesting. I think a lot of people could say the same about the field of CX today. Yes. That, you know, <laughs> both Bob and I, you know, we, we were doing, we were doing something. Um, we knew it was customer focused and then the, the, <laughs> field, the field just kind of grew up around us. Right, Bob? Yeah, I mean, I still don't know this, to be honest with you. <laughs> so, so. But, but that's what makes it so fun because it's, it's still in its formative stages and it's dynamic and fun. And, but for, and get, for, Darren, for Darren, for you, um, say 50 years ago, what you're doing in CX world wouldn't exist. I mean, is it fair to say you're more in the area where computers are involved or mobile or, you know, when you say user experience, are you primarily talking about interacting online? I think it's, it's uh, my study of the history of UX. There are principles that we use today that I have traced all the way back to, uh, I can't remember the gentleman's name offhand, but there was a gentleman who helped uh, actually optimize what was going on in the assembly line with Henry Ford. Yeah. Uh, there were people who did stagehand work for Broadway productions that we're trying to, and I, I think of this, especially from more of a CX perspective as well, trying to make sure that the people who attended Broadway plays were able to immerse themselves as much as possible. So you're thinking that, that thinking about experience from a very holistic perspective. There's Toyota was doing work back in the 40s and 50s that that led to practices that we embrace today and still, still uh, use them uh, to the fullest extent. There are uh, the early work that was done on Henry Ford's assembly line is now, uh, it, it actually uh, turned into what we now know today as a Gantt chart. So there are a lot of things today that are digitally oriented and digital took center stage around the time of the dot-com bust. But a lot of UX practice has now, uh, um, people are consciously applying it to hardware as well as to digital experiences, and they're starting to apply it across the board. I, I know of situations where people are using UX to help design a better experience when people walk into a re retail establishment, and they use CX, UX, uh, trying to traverse various types of aspects of, of the discipline. So it's, it's growing beyond digital. I say it's slow, but it's growing beyond digital. Mm -hmm. IDR work there. I know people who have been doing work in an interactive voice response world for, for a decade, at least a decade. Now, you just don't see the articles. You don't see the videos popping up uh, on YouTube as much. But, but yeah, the UX world is starting to get traction in the non-digital. I'm, I'm happy to see that. I've, I've done some non-digital work and I'm glad to see those types of things happening in a broader way. So, Darren, on, on, on that 
Along that line of thinking, um, I know you're you're an outspoken advocate for the collaboration between UX and CX practitioners. Absolutely. You want to comment on that a little bit, and and in terms of what it means to you and why you feel it's important. Yes, I actually got involved in CX after seeing the their different associations, things that they were publishing. Uh, the I was working for Bosch when I really started to dive in deep with regard to CX and UX, because they approached UX from a CX perspective. They were more holistic. They were more end-to-end. They were very touch-point sensitive, whereas your typical UX work was all focused on the, the resource and the solution, the website, the mobile app. Bosch did things where they wanted to look at things from the sales perspective. How were people coming into contact with the brand? How were they experiencing the brand? How favorable was that experience? How easy was it for them to find out what they needed to know and have their questions answered? Then they, they make the purchase or they make a subscription and they get involved with the service. Okay, what well, were the service? How easy is it to use that service or solution? That's more where UX was, was doing a lot more of the driving at that point. And stereotypically, UX, after they're involved, then UX gets out of it and UX wasn't really involved from a customer service perspective. And when it came to ways to funnel people back into the, or get people back into the purchasing funnel, Bosch covered all of that from UX perspective. And so that's when I really, I was already dabbling in UX, but it was when I went to Bosch that it became very obvious to me that uh, number one, UX I learned is a subset of CX. CX is a much bigger world. It, 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 it is focused on a, a lot more things. When I tried to introduce that to a lot of people in the UX community, I was pretty much shunned. And what are you talking about? That That's silly. Uh, now today, a lot of those people have UCX positions and they're even directors or heads of CX groups. So I just laugh and, and keep going. But re- it's realistic. We, we need to look at that perspective that that CX, you, CX is our father. I always wanted to say it in your voice, but I'll skip the jokes. The, <laughs> the overarching element, we, we live under that. CX is a bigger world. And realistically put, it would be fantastic in a perfect world if UX started to transition into CX roles and just have that specialist element, maybe that UX, some UX people focus on. But CX does research, we do research. CX focuses on touch points? Should, they don't. Focus on touch points. Uh, CX focuses on the voice of the customer? UX was focusing on voice of the customer, but just wasn't calling that. It was, it was a nomenclature. When we do research, that's what we're getting a lot of times, is the voice of the customer. So when we recognize that CX is our big brother, so to speak, and we're a part of that subset, if you look at CX for what it really is and expand your views and get more, say, into service design, uh, then the world of UX broadens and you get more done. And the business benefits more. The user benefits more. The disciplines benefit more. And a lot of the, the lack of clarity that exists in the CX world, maybe, go, maybe it goes away because there, there's an issue with that today. A lot of people don't know what UX is. So that, that's what I'm hoping for. Maybe that, that's my pipe dream. Maybe. That leads me to a question. Um, 
So the world of CX with Darren Hood, which is a great name for podcast. Um, <laughs> what are you? So what are you hoping to accomplish by hosting your own podcast? What kind, what kind of content could we expect? Well, I've been giving this some thought just to make sure that I'm going through my standard progressions and looking at different scenarios. And to me, when you look at the world of UX, it's it's still a uh, how can you call it? it it's, it's, it's a mystery. So it's an enigma for a lot of people, unfortunately. I mean, UX has been around formally for 20 years. Um, yeah, informally, longer than that, just a little longer than that. There are people who have, I've been practicing it now for, 20, it's my 24th year of doing UX work. Um, you won't see the title in anybody's name until like 2002, 2003, uh, even though Don Norman had the title, but he was at Apple. Apple's an outlier. You learn research, throw out the outliers if you want a realistic picture, so it doesn't come along until later. For me, the world of UX is about helping people to understand, to deal away, do away with the enigma. What What is UX? And I even have a list of potential topics. What is UX? I have a, a, a an illustration I created a few years ago to help people understand what it is. And so I'm reminded of that. I, I, I teach a UX 101 class at my at my job. That, and we start off by talking about what UX truly is. Uh, the four pillars of UX, which is part of that. Uh, usability and heuristics. And I, I do group them together. Even though many people group heuristics under research, I, I, I pair it with usability in my school of thought. Information architecture, UX research, interaction and interface design. And, and that one I think is sort of humorous because a lot of people will say UI UX and they say it in conjunction with just like UX is a subset of CX, UI is a subset of UX. It's not interchangeable and it's not UX slash UI. But unfortunately, in this enigma-laced UX world, people see it as the same. It couldn't be further separate because UX is an umbrella just like CX is an umbrella. So I want to, one of the things I feel, long story short, podcast, I see a way of in the 20 minutes or so per session, helping to provide more clarity about what these things are, bringing the definitions, talk about uh, UX career paths. How do you get into UX? What, what, what is it made of? What about UX education? What, can I go to a boot camp? Is a degree going to be helpful for me? What about the articles? What about the MOOCs? What about Udemy? What about uh, some of these other places? What value can I get out of that? I, I, I see the podcast as a way of addressing a lot of these topics. And as we like to do in the UX world, answer the question before they ask it, so to speak, for me. I also see holding, having interviews, bring people on the show to talk about what their journey has been like, what are their experiences uh, been like, what have they, uh, how well did it match their expectations, and when it didn't, how did you manage that? This empathetic type of a presentation is where I feel that people get value, that you answer the questions before they ask it, you make their lives easier, you make their jobs easier, and you help them, even though we, we may not always look at it this way, as much as we like to think about how much we've all grown up, uh, truth is, we're all kids at heart, yeah. and that's why we're all trying to have as much fun as we can yeah. with what we do. So if we facilitate the fun factor, mm -hmm. empowering people through knowledge and information, 
then we, we will do just that. And then people will place value on the podcast because they're getting that need met. We all have our hierarchy of needs. And that's part of what I refer to as being part of that hierarchy of needs with the podcast. Okay, what I, I have a certain hierarchy of needs, like I was saying before. What do I know, you know? And uh, Tom, I think <laughs> we've discovered the gold nugget for CX of M radio because it sounds Yeah, like well, in, in fact, <laughs> uh, in fact uh, I identified a few webinar topics in there too, Darren. <laughs> I think you might be our inaugural weather uh, guy for CX of M TV, which is, which is going to be our next launch. So that'd be great, man. Yeah, you you tapped you tap you 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 tapped into some of my motivators too. You got you got me recharged, and um, that's the thing I love about the the this community. You know, it's um, I think it's filled with a lot of empathetic people that are really yeah. into sharing and collaborating and. And yeah. Uh, um, so, yeah, this is going to be fun. This going to be a lot of fun. Would you guys be interested in hearing a few more topics? I actually have a long list. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. Right. I, I read right by them because I know we're going to be pressed for time. I want to know, uh, any, are, are you going to focus at all on what you're doing practitioner-wise at work? Are you gonna get into yeah, that? a day in the life of. And that's one of the topics that I thought about would be great in bringing people on, interviewing them. Tell me what a day in the life of mm. – or what a day in the life of is like for you. And then just let the person, just let them go. And, and I think situations like that, it's critical that people understand how broad the experiences can be. Oh, I have found in my observation, people don't realize that I'm using LinkedIn to gather sample sets and to build personas. And people have a, in general, people tend to narrow their view. And they, what I have experienced, what my three friends have experienced, this is what it is for everybody. And the more we can broaden that, it helps people maintain a stronger sense of realism. So I can talk about what my day is like, but that may only benefit a small group of people. I remember the days of my my uh, training with Landry Learning Services. And I, where I was just, because I got into UX through, I didn't mention this earlier, through a mix of, of instructional design and web design. I, I began in freelance web design, but I was also a trainer. Uh, and I was getting uh, uh, certifications through Landervin. And one of the things I will never forget was that they said that if you want your training, your learning experience to be optimal, target the lower 25 percentile. And if you, if it works for them, it'll work for everybody. And so, consequently, I, I real I, I that was that's what really started my track on being empathetic. And I know some people that hate the term empathy, but I think because of the way it's defined, I just want to know what's in what's going on in the other person's head. What what are their needs? What are their pain points? What are their values? What are their, in a short, what are their mental models? And the more I know and relate to and support their mental model, then the more I'm going to bring value for them. So, so I can talk about a day in the life of, but it's important to get as many other people to present their day in the life of. And when you, and when you plot those things on a map, you'll find that it, we're so different. We're the same, yet we're so different. And in order to be successful, we need to recognize 
the diversity of those experiences. And, and that's where we brought our own personal mindsets and we're able to affect more people. I like the thing you said about the 25%. Um, reminds me when I was working at GM, there was a famous story about how designers would put on hockey gloves and then try to operate the vehicle. Kind of <laughs> things like that. Yes. Or, or uh, men putting, um, putting paper clips on their fingers to simulate having fingernails and what it would be like to use, you know? So, I like the whole idea of just trying to work it out, you know, for those who maybe aren't the most advanced in computers and all that. Yeah, that makes me think about another one of the topics, the journey of empathy. Mm. Because people sometimes, they can't relate to another person's needs <clears throat> because they can't experience it. Uh -huh. mm. So the, what it takes to achieve true empathy so that you can make, then once you take that on, you can embody it in your designs. If you don't embody what persons one through 40, how they feel, how can you really roll something out with confidence? So, so that, yeah, that's one of the topics awesome, <laughs> got here. Yeah, how, I know. Do you, how do you accomplish it? Well, I know we can we can talk all day. This is yeah, this is exciting. Great, man. I love your topics. In fact, I think uh, Tom and Bob, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna steal um, some <laughs> oh, yeah. of that day in the oh, life yeah. of at least for the CX community. <laughs> I, I Go for it. it because you know one of the one of the, the big challenges is um, exposing um, students and others um, into opportunities in, in this field and, and what it what what it actually means for each job title. So yeah, that's exciting. Well, Darren, thanks so much for your time today. Um, we're, we're, we're really looking forward to um, the launch of your show and, and eager, eager to hear more from you. And, and thanks. we'll talk, yeah, off, thanks. We'll, we'll talk offline about the, uh, the webinars because I think that's a whole other animal. We could. We yes. Could. Well, so, thanks. Thanks again, everyone for joining us for another episode of the Tom and Bob show. We look forward to seeing you next week. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Tom and Bob show. If you enjoyed the podcast, please tell your friends and share it on LinkedIn and Twitter. If you have any ideas or suggestions for future podcasts, send us a message. We'd love to hear from you. After all, you're our customer. Thanks for joining us for this session of CX of M radio. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and visit cxofm.org for more resources.